What do you say we leave this service today not just saying it was a good service? What do you say we leave this service today saying God's will was done? Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on, I need a little help today. I need to know you're with me in this. God, your will be done. Amen. Hallelujah. If you can, uh, if you can just stand your feet with me just for a moment. We're going to read this text together, and then I'll let you be seated. Stand your feet with me. I'm going to read from two, from two portions, but just for this, this moment here as you're standing, let's read this together from Revelations 1. What's happening here is John the Revelator is, is catching this divine revelation from the Father, and and he's beginning to reveal this grace and this peace that comes from the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. And from the sevenfold spirit. But then he says this, and also from Jesus Christ. I want you to notice about Yeshua, Jesus. He is the faithful witness to all these things. He is the first to rise from the dead, but he's not the last. Because guess where we're going one day? I love this next part here. And he is the ruler over. Everybody say over. He is the ruler over all the kings of the world. But it's a democracy. He's still ruler over all. But it's a dictatorship. He is still ruler over all. But it's socialism. But he is still ruler. But it's communism. But he is still ruler over all the kings of this world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us. Can I get a living witness here today? Freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Now, I love this next part. I had to throw the King James word in there because every other translation will say kingdom. But he has made us kings. That means he's made us royalty. He's made us the kingdom on which he's building. We are kings and priests for God, his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Let all God's people put their hands together and say amen. Come on, say amen. Amen. Because you believe this, say amen. Because of who Jesus is, say amen. Because of who he's made us, say amen. So be it. Hallelujah. All right. All right, I'm going to let you sit down. Before I do, 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 real quick, Tommy, can I, I need my, my, my checkerboard. Anybody, anybody still love to play checkers? Anybody still love to play checkers? Come on, be honest, be honest, you love to play checkers. Oh yeah, you still like to play checkers? Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come on, come on. How are you feeling today? Let, let us all know your name. Ayo. This is Ayo, y'all. Ayo. Ayo, Ayo. Ayo, Ayo. Ayo, you love checkers? I love checkers. Do you play chess too? Checkers, me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chess is too complicated. Come here. Come here, sir. Come here. All right. I get to be black. You stand on the other side. There we go. Yeah. All right. All right. So, Ayo, this is how the board is kind of preset for us. Tommy and I were playing earlier, okay? And we got to this point. You're red, I'm black. And it's my move. It's my move. Okay. Where do you think I'm going? If I'm going that way and you're going this way, where do you think I'm going? Yeah, I'm going this way. You're going this way. Which, where am I going? Yeah, which piece do you think I'm going to move? It's pretty simple, my friend. You play checkers. Which piece, which piece am I going to move? Try again. Come on. You only got five pieces to look at. Which, which one am I going to move? It is my move. What am I going to, what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do? I'm going to move this guy right here. Why am I going to move that guy right there? So I, so I can get, what happens when I go right here? Okay, yes, and I become a what? I become a what? I become a what? I want you to help me make this declaration in this season right here over your life, over this ministry, over I.O., over our future, over what God is doing. Make this declaration with me and let Satan know, no matter how you try to keep me down, God's got a move for me today. It's a winning move. It's called King Me. It's called King Me. Someone holler, King Me. In this season, King Me. You're good, I.O., you're good. I'll, I'll bring you back in a moment, I.O., I'll bring you back in a moment. Or you can be seated. You can be seated. Okay, now if you have your Bibles, Book of Numbers. Thank you, worship team. Book of Numbers, chapter 14. 
If you're thankful for this awesome team that we have, can you put your hands together and show them appreciation today? <laughs> Numbers 14. I, I'm going to need you in a minute, okay? I'm going to need you in a minute. I'll let you know. All right. Numbers 14. Here's how it reads in verse 20. God is having a conversation with Moses. If you read Numbers 14, you'll see that, that Moses is pleading with God to, to spare the people of, of Israel. And so we, we get, this, get to eavesdrop on this conversation between God and Moses. And here's what God tells Moses. He says, I will pardon them as you have requested. Hey, because you asked me, Moses, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I will pardon them. But truly as I live, check this out, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, not one of these people will ever enter that promised land. They have all seen my glorious presence, and they have all seen the miraculous signs I have performed, both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, someone say again and again, again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Someone is about to catch a revelation of what you're doing to God every time you refuse to obey his voice. Check this out, verse 23. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who treated me with contempt will ever see it. But, someone say but. I won't make you look at your neighbor and say, say but. I won't do that, okay. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Whew. Now, look at this. Look at this text. See what God is saying? God is saying, I won't bring them, but I will bring him. See, at some point in time, you've got to make a distinction. Either you can be in the them crowd, or you can distinguish yourself and say, I'm just going to be the him category. I want what God has, even if you don't. So we see this, this if you will, almost intriguing, if not just baffling exchange happening between the Almighty and, and a human being. And it's interesting to me that the same God who is the ultimate expression of consistency the same God who is immutable. The, the theologians will use this word, he's immutable, meaning he's unchangeable. He is permanent. He is how Hebrews in 13 tells us the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, the same God who said before Abraham was, I am. This same God who is all that then tells Moses, I know the promise I made to these people, but because of how they've treated me, they will not possess what I have promised. I am the one who brought the 10 plagues on Egypt. I am the one who delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. I am the one who parted the Red Sea and let them cross through on dry land. I am the one who then caused that same sea to drown Pharaoh's entire army. I am the one who prepared a promised land flowing with milk and honey, but because they keep refusing me, I am going to refuse my promise to them. They get nothing. Someone say, ow. Wait, wait, God did all that? Made all these promises, but they get nothing. I'm going to give you five quick things today, and hopefully they'll make sense as I tie this whole service up. Number one, I want to give you this. God will expose you to things you will not experience. Oh, yeah. Teenagers are going to go watch a movie this afternoon. God will expose them to what God is doing in other people's lives. That doesn't mean they'll experience themselves. You watch videos of people getting deliverance. There's a movie that just came out uh, last week and called In the Name of Jesus, right? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Come out in Jesus' name. They're showing it at theaters all across the nation, and guess what? In movie theaters, demons were manifesting, and people were getting deliverance in movie, not in church, in movie theaters. God will expose you, though, to things you might not ever experience yourself. See, 
I believe God makes promises. And has God ever promised you something maybe that even to this day you still have yet to possess? Has God ever promised you peace and you don't fully have it? God promised you healing and you don't fully have it. Has God promised you salvation for your family and you, you don't fully have it? Has God promised you a spouse and, and you're still not there yet? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. You can say amen. God, you promised something, and, and, and I don't yet possess it. And, and what God is showing Moses here literally is that there are certain promises, there are prophecies, there is potential that I put on certain people, but they will never see it in their lifetime. And God not only says they won't see it, but I love this. Can you give me verse 23 again? I love this. God doesn't say they won't see it. God says it with a bit of an attitude. Whew. They will never see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who treated me with contempt will ever see it. Ooh, what a day we, we've come to when we get the old mat. You all worked up. Well, he's, not got, he's got a little bit of attitude with us. They will never see it. And, and when you read this verse, if you don't see everything in context, you just isolate this verse, this can feel disorienting. This, this can feel disturbing, if not just downright discouraging, until we begin to understand God has promises. And how do I get those greater promises he has? I believe that God will move heaven and earth just to keep his word. Oh, yeah. Because he's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he needs to repent. If he said it, he will accomplish it. This is just how it works with God. So I need you to know that most of God's promises are unconditional. He will keep his word without condition. But if you keep reading this book, you will see there are also some other promises God made. And those promises come with Everyone say this word, conditions. Conditions. Hmm. And so God will let me experience things or be exposed to things that I just don't get the chance to experience. And, and, I, and I need you to know why that is. It's not because God doesn't want to keep his promise. It's because you've forgotten something I preached to you last year. My next point is this. Remember when I talked to you about this? Don't ignore the if-thens. If, then, Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, then you will eat of the good of the land. Second Chronicles 7, if my people who are called by my name, there it is, there, there's the if, right? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then... Then I will heal from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Okay, that's the old covenant. Let's go to the new one. Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. If you forgive men when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men of their sins against you, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. I love how Jesus says this in Matthew 21. He says, if you believe, then you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Nadia, I don't know how much study you did, but because you believed in prayer, then you receive what you asked for. I want you to know only God can deliver you out of the hand of Pharaoh. But if you are going to get into the promised land, then you have to do something about your progression towards the promise. I believe you can depend on God to protect you. I believe you can depend on God to preserve you. I believe you can depend on God to provide for you because his promise is unconditional to do those things. But if you are going to progress towards the promise, then there are some conditions you have to meet. Don't ignore these events because my progression doesn't depend on God. The promise depends on God. The progression depends on me, which leads me to my next point, and that's why, as Christians, we can all have the same God, but not have similar results. <laughs> oh, Derek, I want to, sir. I want to so bad. I want to so bad. Oh, Lord. Some of you look at me like, Pastor's so blessed. I wonder how much money he takes from the offering. 
how do you think I got here? I just showed up one day and just started taking money from the offering? Or did I put my due diligence in for 30 plus years? I saw the promise, but I couldn't possess it without progression. And that's why you and I can have the same God, but not have similar results. Think about it like this. Mackenzie and Brock will tell you, I preached this at my father's church a couple weeks ago. God will allow you to live on whatever level you settle for. If you want to live in mediocrity, God will allow you to live there. If you want to live at just good enough, God will let you live there. But is there anybody who believes God's got a greater promise for my life? Come on, I want you to put your hands together and you tell your spirits, you tell your will, I can't stay here when God's got better for my life. I want to say this to those of you who are saved and only saved. If you, if you just want to, if you only want to do is just be content with getting to heaven one day, then guess what? You're going to just live your life with just salvation. But if you want the life Jesus promised, he said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If that's the kind of life you want, then ladies and gentlemen, there are some conditions. I have to participate in the process of life and life more abundantly. Oh, it's going to be great over there, but guess what, baby? Jesus promised it can be great here and now. Oh, Lord, Pastor, but you don't know how terrible my life is. But I know how great your God is. And if you want similar results, I'm not trying to tell you to pay your dues. I'm just simply trying to say keep progressing. And in paying your dues, you will see the hand of God deliver on his promise. Amen. But here's the conundrum. It's the conundrum that causes our contempt. And I wrote it in the form of a question, because that's a conundrum. Why are you willing to let God save you, but unwilling to let God lead you? (laughs) This is church across the globe. I need God to save me, but I'm not willing to let God lead me. When I go back to this text, Rev, Romans 14, or Numbers 14, what I see in Numbers 14 is the Israelites, they are willing to let God deliver them and save them out of the hand of Pharaoh. Save me from Egyptian slavery. But now that we're out of that slavery, I'm no longer willing to let you lead me on the other side. You know what I've learned? I've learned that the test of your loyalty is not found in seasons of desperation. The test of your loyalty is found in seasons of your elevation. Come on, somebody. Everybody is committed to God during a crisis. For those of you who are alive, 9-11, 2001, church was packed that next Sunday. Standing room only across the nation because everybody's committed to God in a crisis. Oh, you remember quarantine? Y'all remember that? When you were at home watching me on screen? I had 4,000 people watching me. I got like six right now. The idea is just simply this. In a crisis, we are committed to God. But I want to know once God does what he does, the crisis is over. Are you just committed during the crisis? Or are you a kingdom committed Christian? Even in elevation, I'm committed to God. Pastor, I'm going through hell and high water, and I can see why you are committed, but will you stay committed once God delivers you and brings you out? Do you have conditional commitment or kingdom commitment? Because the moment that God becomes your savior. He's your savior because you needed saving. But it's different on the other side. This is why when we pray a salvation prayer, I never just ask Jesus, save me. You'll hear me say this in times when I'm leading you in prayer. I'll say, be my savior and be my Lord. Savior means you've saved me. Lord means you lead me. And can I tell you this? God knows that you need some divine leadership in your life. Oh, 
You know what I've learned? I've learned that divine leadership actually gives me an advantage. Oh, yeah, yep. Divine leadership helps me go further, faster. Okay. Anybody, anybody ever discovered that divine leadership can actually take you places in days that could have caused, literally would have caused you decades if you would have done it all by yourself? <sighs> days. What do I mean? The promised land. The, the nation of Israel was supposed to go to. Tiana, give me that image real quick. You know, I had to do the Google Maps thing, right? Someone did the work for me. We don't really know where Goshen, that, that Goshen was the land in Egypt that the Israelites lived in when they were in Egyptian slavery. We kind of have a guess. This is somewhere around Cairo area, okay, of Egypt. See, there's Cairo down here in the bottom corner. Okay. According to Google Maps, or whatever map is, I don't remember what this was, but thank God for somebody that worked for me. You can walk from this unnamed area where Goshen probably was, and let's just, I mean, into the promised land, and I just, we stopped at Jerusalem, okay, because we all know where Jerusalem is. I don't know what part of Canaan, the promised land, they were crossing over somewhere around wherever Jericho was, right? But here's what I do know. According to this, walking, it should only take 92 hours. Hey, no problem, we got this. Just give me a, a jug of water, right? Because I'm walking through the desert probably. We got this. 92 hours is all it should have taken. Then, then somebody help me understand why they were wandering for 40 years in, in something that was meant to really only last a few weeks. Now, I get it. I get it. Some of you are a little bit older and probably don't walk as well. We'll slow down. 92 hours. We can double that if we need to. That's fine. Okay. I, I get that. I get that whole pass. Oh, oh God, I haven't walked as much as I was, a I was a child last time I walked. Fine. We'll slow down. The bottom line is this. It should only take us maybe a month, not 39 years and 11 months more to get into the promise. Well, I, I guess what I'm, I'm just trying to tell you is this. How many of us have done what the nation of Israel did. And we've taken something that was meant to be temporary and we created something more permanent. It was meant to be a, a stage in their life and they turned into a state of life. How many of you can just lift your hands and just maybe just be honest and say, this should have been limited in my life, but I turned it into something lengthy. My anger should have been limited, but I, I turned it into something a little bit longer. My, my jealousy should have been limited, but I, I, I dragged it out for a few years. My, 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 my pain and sorrow and grief should have been limited to that season and God was going to bring me out, but I stayed in a place of temporary sorrow and it became my permanent state it was supposed to be limited and I made it lengthy you wronged me temporarily I'm wounded and I'm holding something in my heart but many of you to this day have never become better because you stayed in a state of bitter If you will forgive, then you will be forgiven. I just came to tell somebody, get out of the wilderness. Come on, you've been wandering too long. Let's get to the promise. This awesome God of ours, if he's good enough to follow when I'm in Egypt, then why do we think that we become the expert the moment he gets us out? The same people who cried out to God because they were oppressed, because they were abused, because they were mistreated, because they were enslaved. These same people who cried out to God in Egypt now hold God in contempt in the desert. Pastor Bethel, I've prayed with many Christians. This altar, altars all over Illinois. I've heard Christians repent and beg and make promises to God that they will change for the better. Why do they say that? Because they're in trouble. Because they're in crisis. Because they're in bondage. Because they're in, in Egypt. So they're crying out to God, Lord, if you will just deliver me, I promise that I will turn my life over to you. See, it's so simple when we're in it to say, God, you're the expert. So somebody please help me. Help me understand why we deceive ourselves into thinking that once God gets me out, I now know better than him how to stay out. God says to Moses, after everything I've done, 
everything I've done, both in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet these people still treat me with contempt. They treat me. What is contempt? They treat me with scorn. They treat me with disdain. Contempt. They, they treat me with disrespect. Uh-oh. I looked at the definition of contempt. It simply means feeling that a person is beneath. They've treated me the most high like I'm beneath. Which leads me to my fourth point. Their contempt teaches us something. We will only progress to the level that we allow leadership to have influence. Oh, snap. And this is where some of you are going to shut me out because you've had bad experiences with leaders. You've had pastors, priests, people in authority, parents who have misled, abused, mistreated. I won't dig into this too much, but if you know the story of Egyptian slavery, the Egyptians kept the, the Hebrews in slavery. The Hebrews were enslaved for over 400 years. So Pharaoh is more than just a name. It's a title to the different Pharaohs that enslaved and oppressed and abused the Hebrew people. And when you think of, of a leader, all the Hebrews knew was a leader who wrongs us, mistreats us. And now this guy Moses shows up and he's going to lead us? And, and Correct me if I'm wrong, Rev, but, but didn't Moses grow up in Pharaoh's home? Come on, you ain't that different. <laughs> and then you get apprehensive, right? And you put your guard up because you're like, you're going to treat me the way that I've been treated. Because this is all I know. This is all I've been exposed to. And here they are. They're, they're stuck in this wilderness because they can only progress to that level that they allow leadership to influence their lives. What do they do? They stop letting Moses lead them. Joshua, the next leader, Caleb, shows up and tells them, look, God's got these awesome promises for us. Let's go possess the land. And they're just like, hmm, keep it. It's got giants. I don't want no giants. No, I ain't got no time for no giants. And so now they live in fear. And they project their fear onto what their enemies think of them. We're, we're grasshoppers in their eyes. How do you know? Did you ask them? No, because you're afraid of them. And so now they won't let Moses, the current leader, Joshua, their future, they won't be led. And so now what happens is you get stuck because you can't progress to the next level when you stay stuck in the wilderness. Can I ask you here today, where, where are you stuck at this moment? Where are you stuck? Because any area of your life where you are stuck is an area where you have ceased to allow leadership to have influence in your life. That's why you're stuck there. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to say it again to those who are sleeping on the back row. I'm going to say it to those who are listening to this podcast later on. I'm going to say it again to those who might be watching this, driving in your car, or laying in your bed at night. I'm going to say this again. The reason you are stuck in any area of your life is because you ceased to allow leadership to influence you to the next level. But, verse 24, my servant Caleb, that brother Caleb, something about Caleb, he's got a different spirit. Huh. I want you to see that God didn't just say that Caleb was different. He said he had a different Come on, Americans, we love to deify different. But different doesn't always mean better. I am preaching. Thank you for clapping. Because everyone else is mad. Different doesn't always mean better. 
But God says something about Caleb is different. And here's what qualifies his difference. He says, Caleb, my servant, is different. How? Because he follows me wholeheartedly. He follows me with his whole heart. Caleb is different, God says, because Caleb is obedient. Let me say it again. Caleb is different because Caleb is obedient. I'm not just celebrating different because Caleb doesn't just follow me blindly. Caleb doesn't just follow half-heartedly. Caleb doesn't follow mostly. Caleb follows wholeheartedly. I need you to know that even when the majority rejects God's leadership, there is always going to be a Caleb out there who will trust God to lead them. And I trust you so much, I'll follow wherever you tell me to go. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, I will follow and fear no evil, for you are with me. There's a different spirit. I'm a handful of Caleb's in this room. And isn't God so amazing that he won't let the minority stay stuck because the majority have got a bunch of bad attitudes. I want you to take a moment right now and praise God. If there's a Caleb, different kind of spirit on the inside of you, that even if everybody else wants to remain in the wilderness, you can stay here. You can die here. I've got a promise God has called me to, and I can't stop. Will you stay stuck? I'm going after everything. God has promised. And here's my final point for today. Caleb gets Canaan. <laughs> Pastor, it's so simple. And sometimes the simplest things are the things worth rejoicing over. Thank God it's not that complicated. Caleb gets Canaan. I, I want the promise great than become Caleb. I, I want that exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think kind of like great than follow like Caleb followed. I need you to see this here. I don't know how to get there. I've been exposed to the promise, but I don't know how to get there. <sighs> this is why when God brings you out, you cannot think you are the expert in how to stay out. And you are not the expert in how to get to where he's promised. You have to do what Caleb chose to do and follow with all your heart because you don't know how to get to the promise, but I know who does, and I know who's going to lead me there, and I just want to know, are there any people in this room with a Caleb kind of spirit here today that you can lift up your hands and say, Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, throw up your hands and let the enemy know. Everybody else can stay in the wilderness, but we are going to possess the promise God has for our life. Stand your feet with me today. Woo. Hallelujah. 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 I don't want you waiting for me to stir you up. You, you're grabbing hold of this promise. Are you standing there just looking at me, waiting for me to take the next step? You're not following me. You're following Christ. And he will get you to the promise. And since I brought up Christ, I'm a New Testament boy. I love preaching from the Old Covenant. But Rev, every time I go to the Old Covenant, you know what I'm looking for? Thank you, Sister Nancy. I was asking your husband. Every time I go to the Old Covenant, I'm looking for the one who fulfilled that covenant. So as I look at this text, Rev, thank you, Sister Nancy. As I look at Romans, or why do I keep saying Romans? Numbers. I must love Romans so much. As I look at Numbers 14, what I see is where's Jesus? I see the Almighty God ticked off the people who treat him with contempt and saying these promises are conditional and since you won't uphold your end, you don't get it. Where's Jesus in that? Where's Jesus in this conversation where he shifts it from these contemptuous people to 
Caleb. I was looking Rev and, and because I'm a kingdom kid, New Testament kingdom kid, I, I, I can learn from the Jews, but I follow Jesus. I can learn from Moses and Joshua. I can learn from the, the prophets and the Psalms. I can learn from the apostles, the gospels, and the epistles. But in spite of all these other people that I can learn from, I know who leads my life. I follow Jesus. So when I'm looking in the Old Covenant, maybe this is for some of you who are coming along, when you start to read the Old Testament, you need to be looking for Jesus. Otherwise, Leviticus will confuse you. Look for Jesus. And in this, I began to discover something. The spirit of Caleb is what theologians will call the spirit of the second man. Someone say second man. What do I mean by that? I mean, Caleb gets to inherit the land, but Caleb doesn't inherit Moses' leadership. He gets the land, but he doesn't get the leadership. But yeah, he's the one God highlights. Can I, can I tell you here today, Caleb symbolizes the second man. He's commended, but he's not in charge. I believe God is going to commend you today because of your desire to follow. But commending also means you are not in control. I'm letting, I'm letting you lead. So I see Caleb symbolize the second man. And, and are you ready for this? Because it really kind of it took me back for a moment. I was reading this and I realized in a different season of his life, Caleb and Joshua, Moses' successor, at one point in time they were equals. But then God shifted everything and now Caleb has to submit to Joshua's leadership. Oh, Lordy. Let me illustrate what I mean. Dylan and Devin come from the same family I do. Like they're my brothers, if you didn't know that. And they're twins, just in case you can't ever... What? what? I, didn't, I had no idea, Pastor. We come in the same family. We are equals. But the moment that God elevated me, shifted things, and put me in a different position, didn't mean we were no longer equal. It meant our roles we're different. If you are in a marriage, you are equal, but you have different roles. Woo! I'm going to say the S word. Submission. Because Americans hate it. I went to high school with Tommy. He graduated two years before I did. He and I were equals. But guess what? When God shifted my life and put a title and a, and a role on my life, Tommy, though he's my elder, submitted to my leadership. Where is he going with this? Oh, shoot. I'm afraid what pastor's going to say next. Here's what I want to tell you. Some of your haters will be people who used to be your equal. But when God shifts things in your life, don't listen to their hate. Rejoice that God has called you to a different level. Does Caleb resist Joshua's leadership? No, Caleb, S word, submits. He submits. Why? Because Caleb is the second man. Oh, some of y'all get where I'm going with this. Rev, there was. I, I found Jesus in the passage. Jesus is the second man. Because the first man screwed everything up. The second man came and made everything right. But not only that, Caleb followed Jesus shows up as the second Adam and follows the Father everywhere he leads him. That's why John 5, 19, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Second Son. 
John 12, 49. I don't speak of my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded what to say and how to say. Second son. He's the second man. Because even in his death, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he submits his preferences to the plan of the Father. Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Come on, let's not sugarcoat this. Look at what he says. Jesus is literally saying, Lord, if you are, Father, if you are willing, Father, if there's any other way, Father, I know I'm the second man, but I'm second-guessing this plan. If there's any other way, you listen to me. You know I can tell that God is leading your life? I can tell God is leading because you start disagreeing. God says, forgive, and you say, I don't want to. God says, I gave you everything you've got. Give me back a tenth. And you say, I don't want to. God says, love those who hate you. And you say, I don't want to. He said, God says, turn the other cheek. And you're just like, I don't want to. I can tell you're letting God lead. Because even in those moments of disagreement, he's still getting his way in your life. And Jesus says, Father, if you're willing, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Remove it. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Please don't miss what Jesus is saying right now. Don't miss it. He's saying, Father, my will hasn't changed. I just know where to place it. Ayo, come here, sir. Come here. Come here. I know where to place my will. Come here. Go stand on your side of the board, my friend. Jesus says, my will, my want hasn't changed, but I'm going to place it under yours. I know where to place my will. Come on, you can tell God all you want to. I've got wants. I've got goals. I've got dreams. I've got desires. I've got a will. But if God is going to lead you, then you have got to learn to put your will under his will. Okay, okay. I promise I'm done. Because this is the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of the second man. Even though I have my own will, I will let you lead me. And because Jesus submitted his will to the Father. Al, you had no idea this was going to happen. Because most people, most, most people would want to, no, no, I'm not playing that game. It's already fixed. Oh, your life isn't? The outcome of your situation isn't? Ah. So Jesus says, not my will, but, but your will. I have to place my will under your will, okay? And what happens when Jesus submits himself to the will of the Father? The Father gives him a name that is above. Whew. When he submits, Jesus submits, the Father exalts him and gives him a name above. If you don't believe me, read Philippians chapter 2. He has the name above every other name. That at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee will submit and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay. Here's my point. Sorry, I got to get to this. Because maybe at this point in my sermon, you're just like, okay, what, what are you trying to tell me, Pastor? What I told you from the very beginning. I, I'm going to make a move. Because maybe most people don't understand what it means to come under as a Christian. But you understand what it means in checkers. I'm about to make my move, my friend. I'm, I'm about to. What has already been fixed and set in place, I need you to know. If I was going to call this something else, I was going to call this the title of the service, Winning Moves. 
because the outcome is already there. I can move whatever I want to. I still have a will. I can do whatever I want. But I recognize there's a winning move on the board. Woo, if you could just see it in your own life, God has got a winning move right in front of your vision. And at this point, my friend, I'm going to take my, my move. Y'all help me now. Y'all help me now. Y'all ready? What am I going to say? King me. I said king me. Put that king on top of that. King me. Now, now, whoa. This is exciting for me. Because you think, now I'm on top. The reason you always feel like you're on the bottom is because you always try to be on the top. The reason you're stuck on the bottom is because you're always fighting to be. This makes sense in Christian that when you begin to realize you didn't make yourself a king. He who is ruler over all kings. I want to say it like John said it in Revelations. I saw heaven open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. Now check out verse 14. And the armies of heaven were, thank you, following him. Verse 16. And he has a name written on his robe. I love this part and the section where his sword hangs, his thigh, and this name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I came to tell somebody today, it is your move to make, it is your progression to make, but if you will do what God has destined you to do, you can holler, King me, King me, King me. No, 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 I don't mean put me on top I mean I submit to your kingship I come under and God is telling you today if you will come under his kingship the king will help you get over every obstacle you face when I become a king I can do things I couldn't do before I can move in ways I couldn't move before I can take out the enemy like I never could before king me Lord Jesus, with your hands raised all over this room, if you are willing to come under, God says the king will help you get over. He's going to carry you over. All over this room, in the privacy of your heart right now, I feel as though God is wanting you to know this is your Gethsemane moment. That moment where just like Jesus, you can say, take this cup from me I don't want this I can't handle this I've dealt with this long enough take it from me it's a Gethsemane moment I can move any other piece I want to but there's one move that's going to produce a victory in my life I owe it's that moment when I come under and I say not my will but your will somebody let God know here today I'm tired of being on top I always come out on the bottom every time I try to come out on top God is telling you today the first shall be last but the last shall be first God is telling you today those of you who exalt yourself will be humble but those of you who humble yourself God says I will exalt it's time to come under the king so you can move like a king I said it's time to come under the king of kings so you can move like a king help me just our hands raise father from the bottom of my heart today I realize I cannot lead myself come on somebody help me talk to God I realize I'm not good enough God I realize I'm not wise enough Somebody tell God, I realize I'm too emotional at times. 
too selfish at others. God, I realize too often I, I see all the great things you've done, the goodness you bestowed upon my life, and I take it all for granted. God, I, I praise you for getting me out of Egypt, but now I'm in a, in a position in the wilderness where I think I know better than you. Oh, God, I ask you to forgive me. And I submit today. I submit to your leadership. I submit to your kingship. Whew. I feel like somebody's getting ready to ascend to another level even today. This isn't going to be 40 years down the road. I feel like today you're crossing over into the promise because today you are submitting your will under his perfect will for your life. Who's ready to go higher? Come on, who's ready to go higher? Who believes there's another level to this promise? Who believes it takes his leadership to influence me to the next level? Levels are all about leadership. Who's going to lead me to that next level? I know who's ready to, get, to take you there because he's already been there. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me say it like this and I'm done. The Lord is my shepherd. I told you it was my goat year. I shall not. He maketh Oh, I hate that word, but it's so true. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me. He, he leads me. He leads me. Anybody need some green pastures, some still waters? Anybody need a quiet for your soul today? Then stop trying to lead and come under follow and he will lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though I walk through the desert of Egypt I will fear no evil for thou are with me your rod and staff comfort me Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my haters. Ooh. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And the moment I choose to come under his kingship is the moment goodness and mercy will follow me. Give me that all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Someone say, lead all, King Jesus. Someone say, lead all, King Jesus. Tell your heart, lead all, King Jesus. Tell your will, lead on, King Jesus. Lead on. Hallelujah.